0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Being here and sharing that with us and encouraging us and challenging us to be more and more part of that. So let me pray for us and we're going to see what the word has to say this morning now about discipleship. Father, we thank you for our time together. Uh, we thank you for these ladies that were willing to share Uh, Their stories, Father, um, share how you've worked in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, I pray that there will be so many others like them that would decide uh, this morning or sometime in the very near future to be part of a DNA group, part of a small discipleship group, Father, so you could use them and challenge them, Father, in their faith. And I pray now as we open the truth of your word, you would speak to us. Father, our goal every Sunday as we worship you and as we sing praises to your name and as we open your truth is to learn from you, from your word, To understand it and then figure out a way to apply it to our lives. And so as we think about discipleship this morning, Father, I pray we would understand the significance of it, figure out how we can apply it to our lives, Father, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and open to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, there should be one in the seat in front of where you're sitting. It's a Black hardbound book. You can take that book out. You can open up to page 998. Page 998 is Titus chapter 2. We are continuing our series this morning that we've entitled Defining Us Connect Grow Service, a vision statement for our church. And I've been challenging you over the last many weeks as we kind of work through this vision statement to understand it and to figure out how to live it out in your life. And so I spent the first five weeks talking about connecting to Christ and His church. I spent the second nine weeks, the second five weeks, which is kind of where we are now, talking about growing in our faith and understanding of God's Word. And so last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. We have talked about prayer and the importance of prayer. And then we've challenged you with something a little bit different, kind of in this middle section. We didn't want to just kind of teach through this section and, and not challenge our group to do anything. Remember the first section, when we talked about connecting, we challenged you to be part of a small group. And by the way, I want to continue to challenge you to do that. We, we want you to connect to Jesus and his church. We want you to be connected to a small group somewhere. So you're, if you're not in a small group, you can go to the Connect desk this morning. You can come talk to me. You can find Jeremy Phillips. He'll be around. We would love to talk to you about connecting, being involved in a, in a Sunday school class or a small group that meets at some other time. We want you to connect in that way. But the middle section, we wanted to challenge you as we thought about growing in our faith and understanding of God's word. We wanted to challenge you to memorize scripture. And so the challenge, again, is that you memorize John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 through verse 18. Now, that's a lot, right? We've given you several weeks to do it. We're still working on it. The, the vision, the goal is at our Christmas Eve service, we'll recite this together without the words. We'll know it by heart at that point, and then we can take that with the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, out into the world. The thing I love about memorizing scripture is that for me, the more I work on it and the more I memorize it, the more it just pops up in my day-to-day life. I'll be driving down the road and I'll start thinking, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. It's amazing when you memorize scripture, good things go in, good things come out. And so one of the things we've been doing in our service is challenging you with your memorization. So here's what we're gonna do this morning. I want you to pull up for me John chapter one verses six through ten. We have that on the screen. Now here's what we're gonna do. This is the pop quiz. Okay. This is the pop quiz. We're gonna say out loud John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, without looking at anything, right? Some of you are like, oh my, you're getting your phone out. You're trying to find it real quick so you can look at your phone. That's okay if you need to do that. No big deal. Nobody's gonna judge you. We're just gonna challenge you to do this. Now I'm gonna go ahead and tell you the 8:30 service knocked this out, man. It was like in unison, they said verses one through five. It was incredible. So A little bit of pressure on you guys to keep that up, to do it well. We're going to say verses 1 through 5 without looking at anything. If you need to look, that's fine. We're not going to have it on the screen. And then we're going to jump right into verse 6. Okay? Everybody ready? (laughs) Sure, why not? I guess. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. But came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Excellent. Look at you. Now look, I don't know, I'm not speaking for anybody here, but I just am assuming that by memorizing these verses of Scripture, some of y'all have memorized more Scripture than maybe you've done in a long time, and praise the Lord for that. I'm really proud of you. Y'all did a nice job. One through five sounded like y'all knew it, man. That was really, really good. Keep working. Keep challenging. Say it with your family some. Say it as you're driving down the road. Study it and learn it, right? This is exciting because we're going to keep doing this together as we keep studying and understanding. This is the last week in kind of our middle section of Grow. Today is discipleship, but I want to go ahead and let you know we have our new books available, the Serve Books, right? We've done a book about Grow. You Pick one up in your Sunday school class or small group right here at the Connect desk. We did one uh, about Connect. We did one about Grow. The brand new and Serve is out today. It's available at the Connect desk. It's available in your Sunday school class or your small groups. Jeremy Phillips has done a phenomenal job with those, by the way. If you see him, thank him. You have no idea the hours of work that goes into putting out one of these little booklets. Uh, we produced all this in-house, and he did the work. So if you see him, thank him. He did a phenomenal job. Produce things, pick one up, get ready, we start serve next week, and we're going to really challenge you in that section of serve to do something more, okay? It's not about sitting and soaking, it's about going and doing. Now, today's about discipleship. Before we get to discipleship, I want you to kind of think through an illustration and an example with me. Any uh, college football fans in here? Anybody like college football? Three or four of you, okay. A couple of murmurs through the crowd, depending on how your team did yesterday. I think most local teams did okay. I think they won for the most part. It was kind of a messy, rainy day. If you got to watch any of those games uh, in the southeast, especially with the tropical storm come through, kind of messy. But we like football. We enjoy football. Football's changed a lot in the last many years, right? Uh, many, many years ago, it was very different. I mean, the equipment was different. Believe it or not, kids, there used to be a time where they didn't wear face masks. Did you know that? They just wore leather helmets. That's true. Equipment has changed, the, the strategies of football have changed, the way in which they run plays, all the stats they keep up with, the way in which they work out and they eat, and the, the physical ability of these guys, all those things have changed over the years. It kind of has uh, moved and morphed into something very different than it was, say, 50 years ago. But one of the things that, that has not changed about football is the ultimate goal of every game. Now, there's a lot of stats we could keep. There's a lot of interesting things we could look at. But what's the ultimate? I want you to say it. What's the ultimate goal of every game for every team? What's the goal? Win. To win. That's it. Very simple. We can talk about stats and rushing yards and passing yards and blah, you know, we can get all that kind of stuff. And everybody's got a different opinion about how much those things matter and why they matter. And Fine, you can talk about those things. But at the end of the day, it's who wins the game, who puts more points On the scoreboard, and we go to a game or we watch a game, and we clearly know what the win looks like, right? We know at the end of the game which team won and which team lost. So here's my question for you this morning What does it look like when a church wins? What's a win for a church? We can describe it in football, the team that puts more points on the board. We understand how they win. We understand what a win looks like and we celebrate when it happens. If I went around this room this morning and I asked every person in here to define for me a win in a church, I would probably get a lot of different answers. And they would probably be good answers. I think most of you would have a pretty good sense of what a church ought to be doing. But is there one thing that we, we would say we, we need to do more than anything else? Is there one thing we, we ought to be understanding and we ought to be living and we ought to be practicing on a regular basis more so than any other? And I would say to you, and again, I'm not trying to minimize all the other things we do. There's a lot of things a church ought to be doing. But I think ultimately the goal of the church has to be to make disciples. That's what the Scripture teaches, in fact. Jesus says in Matthew 28, right? It's the Great Commission, and actually I'm going to preach about that next week, and we're going to talk about evangelism, and we're going to talk about going, the idea of serving and going and sharing our story. But Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and, you know the next two words? Make disciples. That's what it says. The calling ultimately of the believers to make disciples. And There's a lot of things that go into that, right? Salvation and baptism, all those things are part of it. But as a church, as a group of followers of Christ... If we're not making disciples, we're missing the teaching of Scripture. Because it's been said, like every organization, and this is certainly the case of the church, every organization is one generation away from disappearing. Like if we don't train up the next generation of believers, there's not going to be anybody here when we're all gone. That's why I love these videos that we do of these kids especially. It just blesses my heart to hear their stories to know that they're growing. And I have questions sometimes from people about these videos and how we do them. Listen, we let these kids tell their stories. And so sometimes they're not super polished. Like I get questions sometimes about something somebody said, and did they mean this, and how they say it. And it's okay. It's not a super polished outline. We don't give them the words to say. We want them to share their story. But it's, it's the understanding that, listen, they, they love Jesus, they want to serve Jesus, and they want to grow in their faith. And so we've got to train them and disciple them. So when they're our age, they're going to step up and be the leaders of the church like so many of you are. And so I want to think this morning about discipleship. I want to think this morning about growing in our walk with Christ, our understanding of God's Word through discipleship. And I want to ask you a question as we move forward. I want you to kind of ponder this as we study this text this morning. How serious are you about discipleship? How serious are you, not your neighbor, not your Sunday school teacher, not the pastor, how serious are you about discipleship. So I want to look at Titus chapter 2 this morning. Paul gives us a, just a real clear model, a real clear calling. This, this book is written to Titus, who was a, a trusted friend of Paul's, devoted to Paul. And Paul, when he writes these letters, uh, wants to encourage and really challenge uh, in the faith. And so he's going to do that in Titus chapter 2, specifically about discipleship. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. You can follow along on the screen with this as well. Paul says, but as for you, he's talking to Titus here, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now watch this, verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith in love, and in steadfastness. Verse 3. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach... What is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be reviled. Verse 6 Likewise, urge the younger men to be self controlled. Now let's stop there and let's make just kind of a foundational point that we find in these first uh, five verses, six verses, but are going to continue on through this whole text. Here's the first kind of foundational point. Number one, mature believers should be teaching young believers how to live for Christ. That's foundational. right? The older, wiser, mature believers, and I'm, I'm talking to a lot of you, should be willing to train younger, younger believers how to live for Christ. If you're an older, seasoned kind of veteran, and, and you know, that's a, a kind of an arbitrary idea. It talks about the older men and the older women. What does it mean to be a, a mature in your faith? And I would say, listen, if you've been a believer uh, five or ten years or more, you fall into the category. Like if you've been a believer for that long, you ought to have, at least through that time, learned and understood and grown enough in your faith that you can be training someone else. And so we see this model, this, this real simple model of the older men and women, verses 2 and 3, training the younger women and the younger men. So there's just a real, I just want to kind of make sure we're, we're very clear on this model. I don't want there to be any confusion or mistakes. If you're mature in your faith, you should be training people that aren't. Okay, this group that we had up this morning is a beautiful example of that. It's a lady Amy, who felt called to the Lord, she kind of gave her story there, how the Lord spoke to her, led her to do this, What something that was necessarily even on her radar, but through her study and through a prayer and through just listening to the, the movement of the Spirit in her life, she had decided to start this group. Now she's got these ladies that are with her, and they're growing in their faith. And so you've got the idea that they're growing together, they're learning together, they're challenging one another on a regular basis. And by the way, just so you're clear, this is different than a Sunday school class. If you want to kind of think of the funnel model, and I know we don't necessarily think in these terms, but like kind of the worship service, lots and lots of people in our worship service. That's the first step for people that typically visit our church. They're going to come to a worship service. That's fine. Then we, kind of try, we want to funnel those people down into a small group somewhere. We want everybody in a Sunday school class or a small group that meets at some point during the week. But if you kind of continue that funnel on down, we want all those people to get into a DNA group, which is a smaller group of people that are willing to share their life with each other, men with men, women with women, so they can have the kind of discussions they need to have to challenge each other in their faith, to walk together in studying God's Word. Why do we do that? Because it's called of us by the Lord to do it. It's real clear. So like if you're an older, mature believer and you're saying, listen, I've never poured into anybody... I've never trained anybody. I've I've never uh, taught anybody anything. I would pray and really hope that this scripture this morning would challenge you maybe to take that next step. And so there are kind of two ideas here. Very simply, there's the teacher. We need people that are willing to teach. And there's the learner. We need people that are willing to learn. So you may say, listen, I've only been a believer for a couple years. Or you may say, listen, I've been a believer for several years, but I've, I've never really grown in my faith. I've never really understood what it means to be a Christian. Uh, I've never really understood what it means to to walk with Christ. And I've never really learned the Bible. Then you'd consider yourself a learner. So you would find somebody that would teach you, that would train you, that would equip you, that would lead you. I'll never forget when I was in college. I grew up in a a really small church. I didn't grow up in a church anywhere close to the size. The church I had was, was way less than 100 people. And our youth group on Wednesday night was my sister, me and my sister, and three other brothers. And and they were there most of the time. Sometimes they weren't. So high attendance for us was five. That was a big deal for us. If we brought a friend, we were just, whoa, we're going to find a place for these people to sit. It was just amazing for us to have one extra person. So it was a really small little church. But I'll never forget when I was in college coming with my parents. my, My dad has been a minister of music. I've told this story before. He's been at the same church now for, I think, 40 years or so. Just incredible faithfulness. Same church, faithfully serving the Lord week in, week out. And so I would go to them when I was in college. And because my sister was younger than me, I was typically the only kid in the college class. That was it. And I'll never forget the pastor of the church at the time, Gary Howard, um, who I still just have great respect for and love him, uh, uh, really because of what he did for me during these few years while I was in college. But I was the only kid in the college class. And I, n- now that I know what I know about him preaching, he would preach every Sunday morning. But he would also prepare a lesson for the college class. And it didn't matter uh, if I was the only one in there. And that happened a lot of Sunday mornings. I'd be the only kid in there. Every now and then, we'd have a couple of other people, but by and large, it was a small class with just me. And I'll never forget, Gary never said to me, listen, Adam, you're the only one this morning. I'm going to kind of send you to another class. Or he never said, listen, uh, the class hadn't really grown much, and so uh, I just would rather spend time in my study in the mornings praying and preparing for the sermon. He never said those things to me. Instead, what he said was, listen, I'm going to be faithful every week, Adam, to prepare this lesson. If you're here, I'm going to teach the lesson to you. Now, I don't remember one thing he said to me. And I'm not trying to be silly or facetious. I don't remember any specific thing he said to me. But I tell you what I do remember. His faithfulness to me and his love for me and his desire desire for me, even when it wasn't convenient for him, his desire to train me and teach me and disciple me while I was in college. That's incredible. And I'll never forget that about him. And I'll never forget what that meant to me. And I'll never forget through that process how I just remember growing in my faith during his faithfulness and how he taught me and, and spent time with me. And this is, this is the model that Jesus gives us, right? And we, we think about Jesus and we think about all that Jesus did and the miracles and the walking on water and, and all the things he accomplished and they were incredible and we, we know the stories. But at the heart of everything he did, there were 12 guys that he lived life with and trained them and Taught them and allowed them to live with him and watch him day to day, week to week, month to month. The Bible talks about those 12 and talks about the apostles and all he did for them, right? We think about all that Jesus did, and we would say the cross is central to everything Jesus accomplished, right? His death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. But I would say, second to that, was his plan to disciple these men because. What Jesus understood was that once he was gone, he needed a group of men to carry the story on, didn't he? There was no plan B for Jesus. Like if he had not trained these men or properly equipped them or they'd not been willing to learn or not been willing to go, Christianity would have stopped. But because he was faithful because he trained these men, because he equipped them. Once he was gone through the power of the Spirit, they took that knowledge and they took that information. And, of course, the Lord did the rest, and here we are all these years later. You know, I I never want to miss the opportunity to kind of think about in the home and parents with their children. But but probably the the greatest, uh, best example we have of the older teaching the younger is parents with their children. And so, moms and dads with children still in the home, we just encourage you very quickly. By the way, if you're a grandparent, this could still apply to you. Maybe you have nieces or nephews that are young, but especially parents that still have children in the home, there's no greater calling on your life than the discipleship of your children. You know that? And that doesn't happen in one day, it doesn't happen in one week or one month or one year. It's a lifelong process of pouring into. Training, teaching, equipping to do the things the Lord has called them to do. And so very simply, just to review, if you're a mature believer, you should be on some level pouring into those that are not as seasoned in their faith as you are. But it goes a step further. Look at verse 7. This is where it challenges us right here. Titus chapter 2, verse 7. Listen to what Paul says. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And by the way, underline that if you're taking notes. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything, they are to be well-pleasing and not argumentative, not pilfering, not showing, uh, but, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Here's the second truth, right? There's a foundational understanding. The older, wiser should be teaching the younger. Truth number two, this is the challenge one. We must model the truths of the Bible to younger believers. The important word in that phrase is model. I want you to notice what Paul says in verse 7. Pull verse 7 up again for me if you would please. Listen to what Paul says. Show yourself in all respects to be a what? Model. Say it. Model of good works. Paul says, listen, it's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to teach it and say the words. You need to live it. If you're going to be a faithful disciple, if you're going to disciple other people, if you're going to really train them and teach them and equip them, it has to happen as you model it for them with your life. Now, Paul gives us this an incredible list of things in the first six verses of this chapter. In fact, if you were to go back through just the first, first six verses, there's, there's a whole long list of things we ought to be doing. We should, verse 1 says we should teach with sound doctrine. By the way, everything we teach at this church comes straight from this Bible. It should always. Our DNA groups teach from the Bible. Our small groups, Sunday school classes teach from the Bible. I teach from the Bible. This is foundational, right? We should always teach what accords with sound doctrine. Verse 2 says be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled. Verse 3, reverent in behavior, not slanderers. Verse 4, talking about training young women to love their husbands. Verse 5, self-controlled, pure, on and on the list goes. And I thought, you know, we could just take those first five or six verses and really spend the rest of our lives trying to live that out. We could talk about that and train that and teach that, and that would be enough for us just to live out the rest of our lives with. But then we're really challenged into verse 7. And I want you to hear this. This is very significant. It's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to have a sheet of paper where you fill in blanks. It's not enough just to have a a, a book that you read through and answer questions in a classroom. All those things are good and they can be helpful to you. But Paul says in verse 7, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. You have to model this and live it out. If you're not living these things out for the Lord, you're not going to be able to train and teach people how to do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more and more, the older I get, I'm, I'm more and more aware of my actions and my actions around other people and my actions around my family. And I, I'm going to tell this story. I told it years ago, and some of you may have heard it many, many years ago. But I don't know about you, but, but every now and then, it's rare, but every now and then I get frustrated to other drivers. Anybody else have that problem? A couple of you? I may have got frustrated at you, but I don't blow my horn anymore because I think they may be a member of our church, and they may see me in their rearview mirror, so I don't blow my horn anymore. I just pray for you really now. And I have this tendency to talk to people as I drive. Do y'all, you else do that? To talk to the other driver, to kind of explain to him what he should be doing. And like the louder I talk, the better chance he or she has of hearing me. But I'll, I'll never forget years ago, and I'm a lot better at this now. So you can go ahead and forgive me in advance for doing this years ago. But I'll never forget we were sitting at a, it's a stop sign or a red light. Uh, and the person in front of us went. And I'm not going to tell you who, but this was many, many years ago. My child was very young. And she said to me, Dad. That guy went, and you didn't even have to say stupid. <laughs> like, well, you know, you're right. You're right. I didn't have to this time. He went like he was supposed to go. But it at that moment I realized, Adam, <laughs> maybe you need to be careful the things you say. right? Amy tells me I have to be more pastoral. That's what she says to me. You need to be more pastoral when you drive, right? <laughs> okay, that sounds good. But I'm aware the things we do matter to other people, right? And Paul says, listen, it's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to fill in blanks on a sheet of paper. You need to model it. You need to live it. I think about my granddaddy. Many of you have granddaddies or grandmamas or moms or dad that taught you and trained you. I think about my granddaddy. My granddaddy never one time said to me, hey, Adam, today I'm going to teach you how to drive a tractor in the backfield. Have a seat. I've got a diagram of the tractor. I don't know if that's me or not. I've got a diagram of the tractor here that I'm going to teach you and train you on. Then we're going to take some notes and we're going to fill it a sheet of paper. He never said that. You know what he said? Hey, let's go go bush hog the back pasture. Come jump on the tractor with me. So I got, got on the tractor with granddaddy. And I learned how to drive a tractor watching granddaddy model it for me. You think about parents, moms, dad, all the things we teach our kids not by what we say but by how we live and act. That's what Paul's getting at here, right? As we disciple and train people, we do it by the way we live. Our actions, our attitudes, how you run your businesses, how good of a boss or an employee you are when things don't go the way you want them to go. How you model this at school, teachers in front of kids, kids at the lunch table. How you model this on the the baseball field. You want, you want to kind of get to the character of a person. Watch them when their son is called out when he was really safe. All right, Been there, done that. We need to be living this. Not enough to say it. Not enough to have the right answers. We need to model it. Now, here's what somebody thinking. We've got to wind down with this. I, I, it's difficult, not easy for me, Adam. I hear what you're saying, But translating that into the real world and me actually living this out is difficult. What do I need to do? Look at verse 11. Watch what Paul says here. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared, and and praise the Lord it has. (laughs) For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Now there's a lot in there, a lot we could say, but here's the third truth I want you to see. When you struggle believing you can do these things, when you struggle thinking you can really train and teach people truth number three, the grace of God makes all of this possible. You're not going to do it on your own. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not wise enough. You can't do it on your own. It's only through the grace of God that this is possible. That's what Paul says in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. Praise the Lord for that. You know, I don't think any of us have any idea how significant and important the grace of God is in our lives. Paul says, listen, it's appeared, it brought salvation, verse 11, and it brought training, verse 12. So through the grace of God, God has given us His Son that brings salvation, and He's given us His Word to train us, to teach us, to encourage us, to rebuke us in the words of Scripture. Paul says, you're not going to do this on your own. You're not strong enough to do it on your own. But as we trust the Lord, as we seek the Lord, as we ask the Lord to guide us through his grace, we're able to do these things. Now I want you to close up your Bibles. I want you to close up your notebooks. I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions. I want to challenge you with something here, just for a second. Close all that up, and then let's just kind of settle back in just for a second. I want to challenge you again with a question I started with at the very beginning this morning. As our, our praise team can come on out, guys, if y'all want to come on out and kind of get ready. I want you just to close your eyes and ponder just a couple of simple questions. The first one is, how serious are you about discipleship? That's the first question. One to ten. One, you're not concerned at all. Ten is you're doing the best you can. Where are you in that process? And then the second, maybe the, the more important question, what are you going to do about that? The teaching is clear. It's found right here in Scripture. Paul says older should be training and teaching the younger. We at Rosemont have set up opportunities for you to do this. We've kind of tailor-made it for you to do. How serious are you? What are you going to do about it? Father, we thank you for this text. We thank you for this truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the model of discipleship that allows the, the people that have come before us to train us to teach us, to equip us. Father, I pray if there are people here in this room right now that are, that are equipped and are, are trained already, Father, they would be willing to train the younger generations. We'll plug them into areas that can do that. And if there are younger people that need training, I pray that they would be willing to find someone that can do that. Help us to plug them into that as well, Father. Use this teaching and this truth to challenge us to be more Christ-like. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Stand this morning. The altar is open. I'm going to invite our our prayer team to come down. Some prayer members will be down here. If you'd like to pray with them or you'd like to pray with me, this is your time to respond as we sing together. You come this morning. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.